sign of the flying red horse. It's the famous sign of the 45,000 mobile gas and mobile oil dealers throughout the United States and Canada. And tonight, the flying red horse brings you information, please. Wake up, America. Time to stump the experts. If you want to stump the experts, send your questions to information, please. Radio City, New York 20, New York. If we use your question, mobile gas and mobile oil will pay $10 in war stamps and a world atlas. If the experts muff it, you get a $100 war bond. Note that we've raised it from $57 to $100 and a set of the Encyclopedia Britannica. But if all three parts are missed, you get a $500 war bond instead of the $100 bond. Information, please, is presented under the supervision of Dan Golenpaul. And now, our Master of Ceremonies, Clifton Fadiman. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. May I add a word of welcome to our new sponsors, the 45,000 mobile gas and mobile oil dealers in the United States and Canada. Although under new management, we still present the same line of spontaneous and unrehearsed goods. Tonight, the board consists of those two unbeatable veterans, John Kieran and Franklin P. Adams, plus our two guests. First, the famous writer, Faith Baldwin, whose forthcoming novel is called Arizona Star. And second, radio's wittiest philosopher, our old and good friend, Fred Allen. Mr. Allen will soon be seen as the star of the motion picture, It's in the Bag. And folks, hold on to your seats, for at some time during the evening, Mr. Allen and I will change places. That is to say, he'll crack the whip, and I'll join the experts in order to make them seem, by contrast, even more brilliant than they already are. Now, we're going to begin with uh, this question. What imaginary character could do these remarkable things? Let's get two out of three on this. This first one could pitch a curve that would break in two directions. Who was it? Character that could pitch a curve that would break in two directions. Mr. Adams. Probably Frank Merrill. Absolutely right, Mr. Adams. How did you dig that one up? I don't know. I never read any of them, but I knew he did wonderful things. <laughs> yes. Uh, everybody knows Frank Murray. Well, who, who wrote the books? Do you know, Mr. Adams? Bart L. Standish. That's the name under which he went. Uh, Gilbert Patton. Gilbert Patton. Uh, Gilbert Patton died only a few months ago, I do believe. Uh, I suppose his books have been read, uh, I suppose, more widely than those of many other, perhaps better authors. Now, here's a, another remarkable character who could ride on a moving cannonball and shift to one traveling in the opposite direction. There's a look of incredulity on Miss Baldwin's face. Mine, too. Uh, <laughs> Couldn't any be the idea same face. Mr. Allen, have any notion about... Who? I have no idea. Uh, Mr. Adams? I guess. Let's go ahead. Davy Crockett. It's a good guess, not quite right. It's uh, Baron Munchausen, the famous liar, you know, according to the tales that are told of him. That's one wrong. We have to get the next one right. Uh, this fellow could watch first and third base at the same time. Mr. Allen? I think that was Two Top uh, Gruskin, the pic uh, the picture that uh, Ed Gardner tells about, the fellow that's, Duffy's Tavern. That's right, Two yes. Top Gruskin. Two Top Gruskin, very... Uh, Used to read the book, My Son, My Son, for relaxation. <laughs> <laughs> that gives us two out of three and passes us on to this question from Dorothy M. Andrews of Evanston, Illinois. Can you quote, suppose we say four lines, that's one apiece, from poetry or song, that mention things that a serviceman might like to receive. Well, think of what he might like to receive in a gift package and see if you can get a line of poetry or song that mentions that object. Mr. Kieran. The love of money is the root of evil. Are you, uh, are you referring to love money. or money? Oh, I beg your pardon. Or love. <laughs> yeah, see the love or money I think might be useful. You couldn't send love in a package very well, could you? 
Well, pinup girls. Yes, ma'am. Remote. Uh, kind of. <laughs> and no control. How about another one? Mr. Adams, is one uh, germinating in that brain? Wish I knew where that boy was. I sent it to him. Uh, Miss Baldwin, think of it. Well, I was thinking again of have your cake and eat it, too. That's very good. There's nothing wrong with sending a cake to a serviceman. Very good notion. Uh, that, uh, Mr. Two Cigarettes in the Dark, his song. Well, I guess they don't need them as much as They we might do. by now, you uh, don't know. Maybe so. <laughs> They're all sending them back to civilians. They must need them. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Adams? Well, there's cigars. He just said cigars that never felt a wound. <laughs> the only one I can think of to follow that one up is furlough the swirlow back home. Oh. <laughs> that gives us four. No, it gives us five, if we include Mr. Adams's. Try this one from Wilkham E. Washburn of Hanover, New Hampshire. Get two out of three. And this is a musical question, Miss Baldwin and gentlemen. Each of these songs that Mr. Kahn's going to play for us should suggest a place where Churchill and Roosevelt have met. Name the place. Let's have the first. I have three hands. Miss Baldwin? Casablanca. Why do you say that? It was in the movie. It says, Time Goes By. Yes, that's right. It's the theme song, I believe you call it. Were you going to say anything to the contrary, Mr. Allen? No, I was just going to say that uh, Bogart was there with them at the time. (laughs) (laughs) And Bergman. And Bergman. Now, Mr. Kahn, the second. play, but this is not a musical show. It would be nice if we knew the music. (laughs) It would be nice, sir. How about one of those deep intuitions, Mr. Cairo. No, but not too far away. Miss Baldwin? That isn't the Persian Garden, is it? Yes, I wish you'd said that just a second or two before. Well, I tried my best. I'm awful sorry. (laughs) And therefore, the place of meeting would be? uh, I can't say it. That's right. Yeah, but pronunciation on this program is a terrific problem. I've been listening lately. Tehran. Tehran, Tehran, perhaps. Yes. I have to call that wrong. You came in just a little late on that. Now the third and last. Mr. Allen? Uh, Dardanelles. Uh, well, that is, Dardanelles is being played, and that should suggest what, Mr. Kieran? Where they are now. Where they are now. The black... At a bathing resort on the back Black Sea. I've yes. forgotten the name of that famous resort. Uh, they're, they're in the Black Sea area, and while it's true that the Dardanelles is not on the Black Sea... It's, it's more or less in that Leads general. to it. Yes, it leads to it through the Sea of Marmora. Well, we did get two out of three on that, and that sends us on to this one from Anna Solomon in New York. Get all. This is a bird question. Uh, Mr. Allen, are you familiar with I'm as good as out of it now. <laughs> it seems to me that I remember a bird in connection with one of your programs. Well, <laughs> yes, well, that, uh, that was a bird that frequented, frequented the acoustics in our studio. It had nothing to do with the Audubon Society type of feathered. Still, you must have learned something from it. I did. Uh, <laughs> a name a bird whose behavior in flight, and I don't mean it's in studio flight, Mr. Uh, Allen, whose behavior in flight may be compared to a glider. A bird that, Mr. Kieran? Well, a, a turkey vulture. Yes, that would be one, Mr. Adams. What we going I to thought say? a swallow. I'll ask Mr. Kieran to decide on that. Um, well, no, the, uh, I wouldn't say so. I'd That's... rather... I'd take the turkey vulture first. 
Well, he said it. That's why he take it first. <laughs> yes, a turkey vulture. Uh, he goes uh, uh, without moving his wings for a, a long distance. In fact, I've seen him for a half hour at a time. Never show any visible motion of the wing. You see, he argues better for his turkey vulture, Mr. Adams, than you do for your swallow. He wins. How about a bird whose behavior is similar to that of a helicopter? Miss Baldwin. That would be a hummingbird, I would think. Yes. Why do you say that? Well, they vibrate more than they they fly. They quiver in the air. They stand perfectly still or seem to. Yes, or seem to. And another reason, Mr. Kieran? The only bird, I believe, that can fly backwards. Fly back. Except the worry bird. (laughs) <laughs> well, also, doesn't the hummingbird, uh, Mr. Kieran, go up and down vertically? Yes, it's up and down, backward and forward, but there's, I think, uh, Miss Baldwin is thinking of that bird that uh, Mr. H.I. Phillips wrote about that flies backward, doesn't care where it's going, it wants to see where it has oh, been. That's the bird. <laughs> that's the mugwamp. That's a corrigan. The what? The corrigan, the corrigan bird. The corrigan bird. And what bird, uh, what bird's behavior might be compared to that of a fighter plane? Oh, I guess there'd be several. Miss Baldwin? Why not a hawk? They zoom down on their prey. Yes, exactly. A certain kinds of hawks. Chicken hawk. Uh, Mr. Kieran? No, no. well, I should say a fighter plane that fights in the air. Uh, falcons. Falcons do that? Yes. Uh, bald they don't eagles strike do? things on the ground at all. Mm-hmm. Well, any, any of those would be very good. You see how easy it is to learn about birds, Mr. Allen? Well, I have enough trouble on the ground, Mr. Fadiman. I don't bother <laughs> with the air. <laughs> well, now you can relax for a moment, Miss Baldwin and gentlemen while our mobile expert gives us some information about the folks who sponsor this program. If you please, Ben Grower. Starting tonight, Information Please has 45,000 sponsors, 45,000 mobile gas and mobile oil dealers coast to coast. They bring you these broadcasts as another friendly service from the Flying Red Horse. Car owners everywhere can tell you this sign of the red-winged horse in the familiar white shield marks the home of friendly service. Today, your mobile gas and mobile oil dealers are putting extra effort into their job. They've developed special ways to help make your car last. Simple methods to lengthen the life of your tires and to stretch extra miles from your gasoline ration. So if you really want your old car running its best, the man to see is your mobile gas and mobile oil dealer at the famous sign of the Flying Red Horse. Well, now that Mr. Grower is through red-horsing around... (laughs) <laughs> we'll get back to business. Posing as Mr. Fadiman or a reasonable facsimile, I hope I will not lower the intellectual tone of the cultural festivities, gentlemen. The next question, Miss Baldwin and gentlemen, comes from Mrs. Donald Anderson of San Diego, California. I'm going to ask you, if I'm not presumptuous, to get two out of three, if you will. In what movies or horror stories are these ghosts to be found? The first, a ghost who is frightened by practical jokers. Ghost was frightened. Perhaps I'd better get back over there again. (laughs) (laughs) Probably couldn't remember. (laughs) He has the answer in front. Ghost was frightened by practical jokers. I had no idea it was as hard as that. Uh, Miss Baldwin. Uh, That ghost was Charles Lawton in the uh, Canterville Ghost. Uh, Canterville Ghost. That's correct. Story by Oscar Wilde. The movie with which Charles Lawton played Sir Simon de Canterville. It says here. The second, two domestic employees who would not leave. And what movie, or horror, uh, Mr. Fadiman? I think that's a story by Henry James. Uh, that's not? right. You know uh, the uh, name of the story? Uh, let's see. It's called uh, The Turn of the Screw. That is correct, Mr. Fadiman. 
Always happy to give my competition an opportunity to cope with me. Thank you. <laughs> the third, in what movie or horror story, two ghosts who make a regular guy of a banker? Uh, Mr. Kieran. That's uh, in Deccans' Christmas Carol. No, I'm sorry, Mr. No? Kieran. I'd like to help you, but really, I... Uh, Miss Baldwin. That's in Topper. Topper is... Carson Smith. That is correct. Thank you very much. The next question from Miss Dorothy Gray, Bronxville, New York. I'm going to ask you again, gentlemen, to get two out of three. Can you identify the philosophers from these facts or legends concerning their deaths? Now, the first, he leaped into a volcano. Uh, Mr. Fadiman. I think it was Empedocles who leaped into the volcano of Etna. That's correct, Mr. Fadiman. I'm very happy you're where you are at the moment. <laughs> Had I been there, with it, there would have been a dull verbal thud, I can assure you. Uh, the second, his last illness was the result of an experiment in refrigeration. Uh, Mr. Fadiman again? I think that was bacon, was it not? That is correct. He tried to find out what would happen to a chicken if he refrigerated it in snow. That's correct. Right. And caught cold and died. That's true. Couldn't happen today, of course, because he couldn't get the fowl in the first place. <laughs> he wanted a refrigerator. He probably couldn't get a priority. Now, the third is he identified the philosopher from, uh, from uh, these facts. He died at a wedding. Philosopher. Boy, what a philosopher. Uh, <laughs> well, it wasn't... Uh, <laughs> it wasn't his own wedding, Mr. Adams. He, he was just there the, as a guest. Well, I'm afraid we're. I'm afraid we'll have to pass that. the The philosopher who died uh, uh, at the wedding was Plato. In he his died. 80s. That's so. Yes, he does news to me too. But <laughs> fortunately, I'm in a good position here at the moment. Now, from Mrs. Barbara David of New York City, Mrs. David asks us to get two out of three. Who or what were the objects of these famous searches? Who or what was sought for with thimbles? Uh, Mr. Adams. The snark. Uh, that is correct. They sought it with thimbles. They sought it with care. They pursued it with forks and hopes. And obviously, they didn't have time to finish the verse because it doesn't rhyme. <laughs> now, second, who or what was sought for by a second trombone? Uh, Mr. Adams. Uh, that is in the Mikado. That is correct. Sought for... Uh, uh... Yum Yum was thought for. That is correct. By Nanky Poo. He runs away from... Do uh, you know the... Uh, would you like to have me tell you? I'd like to have you sing it, boy. Well, I'd like to be able to if you'll wait around four or five years until I can <laughs> master the score. But it, uh, Yum Yum is thought for by Nanky Poo, plays a second trombone and trombone in a band. He's disguised as a second trombone. But uh, I was just coming to that. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't have any answers when I wanted them, so you didn't. <laughs> now, the third, who or what, uh, was sought for by meat and potatoes? Meat and potatoes. Mr. Adams. My children. Well, possibly. We don't know, except on two days a week if they've heard the mayor recently. <laughs> they might be looking for potatoes. That's uh, uh, the characters referred to are, uh, as meat and potatoes are in the third ingredient, an old Henry story. Each of the characters. Did you know that, Miss Baldwin? Certainly not, Mr. You're so busy making locomotives, I suppose. <laughs> well, uh, we did get two out of three, so uh, we go to our next question. I'm going to ask you to get all of this. 
This, uh, this question I'm going to read you now is the first question on information, please, to earn a $500 bond for the sender. Now that Mr. Fadiman is one of the experts, let's uh, see whether he could have saved the day. Now, remember, we expect you to get all parts correctly. Identify these characters from novels which were later made into movies. The first, in the book, he gets seasick from a cigar. In the movie, from consuming six ice cream sodas. Mr. Fadiman. Uh, that was the little boy in Captain's Courageous, the Kipling story. That's correct. The second, in the book, he disappears off a boat. In the movie, he's destroyed in a burning mill. Say it again. In the book, he disappears off a boat. In the movie, he's destroyed in a burning mill. You had the card some weeks ago. You should have remembered it, Mr. Because <laughs> you asked the question of the others, and they didn't answer it, and... I don't have to remember. All I have to do is be able to read. Well, I was hoping that a uh, little bit had caught on your cranial process there. Well, the, the second, the answer is the monster in Frankenstein. Why, of uh, course. In the third, a little late, a little late, Mr. Fadiman. In the book, her husband poisons her. In the movie, they are reconciled. Oh. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but I know that a glass of milk is involved. doesn't say anything about milk here, Mr. Uh, Nothing about... Just says it cost $500 the last time it was on the program. <laughs> I know if the man had sent it in tonight, it would have cost $500 more. The way Look, Rob, the lead, I think, the male His name lead. isn't here. No. Miss uh, Baldwin? Wasn't that suspicion? Uh, that is correct. Cary uh, right. Grant and Joan Fontaine. Well, well we only Cary have Joan Grant. Fontaine billed here. Cary Grant isn't billed on but her I car. Heard of Bill From Cary. the novel Before the Fact by uh, Francis uh, Isles. Isles. Uh, at this, uh, uh, we, we uh, did get two out of three, rather uh, a little too late to be of much help, but we saved $500 again, which I was going to take out of... Uh, thank you very much. At this, uh, as this is the first night the Flying Red Horse has been on information, please, Ben Grauer, suppose you tell us about the products that are sold at this famous sign. Well, the Flying Red Horse may be new on this program, but he's an old friend to millions of motorists. They know him best through his two famous products, Mobile Gas, America's favorite gasoline, and Mobile Oil, the world's largest selling motor oil. For years, Mobile Oil has meant the very highest quality lubrication. Today, Mobile Oil is doing a remarkable job helping your old car keep running in tip-top form. Of course, when it comes to mobile gas, we think first of our great wartime gasoline development, the super aviation fuel that delivers flying horsepower. Right now, flying horsepower is giving our warplanes greater speed, helping them fly farther, carry bigger bomb loads. After victory, a great new mobile gas will be ready to deliver flying horsepower in your car. Yes, both mobile gas and mobile oil have always stood for top quality. So it's a good habit to keep, that habit of driving in at the sign of the flying red horse. Thank you, Mr. Grower. And now Mrs. Florence R. Howard of Northampton, Massachusetts, asks us to get all. Not asks us, asks you, Miss Baldwin, and you gentlemen. The question, where will you find these nonsense phrases? Ban, ban. Mr. Kieran? Ban, ban? Is that what yes. Ban Ban Cacalaban got a new master has new man? That's from the Tempest by W. Shakespeare. That is correct, Mister uh, Kieran. Uh, next is Mimini Pimini. Mister Kieran. Mimini Pimini, my black hen, she lays eggs for gentlemen. No, I'm sorry, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mister. Uh, that's a line in Patience. That's correct, Mister Adam. Uh, 
I wouldn't know unless you had the lyrics. I... Demony, pimony, young man. Yes, Francesca de Rimini, Mimini, Pimini, je ne sais quoi, young man. Do you approve of my French, Mr. Fadiman? What's the use of saying no? <laughs> well, it's the occupied French. I can't get the English accent. <laughs> now, the next uh, nonsense, fra <laughs> nonsense phrase is buzz, buzz, buzz. That's Shakespeare, I think. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Mr. Yeah. Fadiman. Mr. Kieran? Well, I was going to say Shakespeare. I was going to say it was in uh, Hamlet. Hamlet. Yeah. It may be. I think it's in the trolley song. It is. No. Mr. Adams is correct. <laughs> How about arguing that one out, Mr. Allen? I've got Mr. Kieran on my side. Well, it's, I... uh, it's what's-his-name who says it, the old boy. Hamlet uh, says it about the old boy. Yes, and it's Polonius. Right. I what? think there are only two buzzes, though, Mr. Buzz, Kieran, not buzz, three. Buzz, one Polonius? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's all right with me. If, uh, if you want to wait uh, 10 or 15 minutes while I run down to the library, I'll be glad to check on the thing. But we did. We lost one in that, uh, didn't we? And uh, so then we send Mrs. Florence E. Howard, who asked us to get all, a $100 war bond and a complete set of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, for Miss Pearl H. Uh, Middlebrook, Chicago, Illinois, who asks us to get two out of three, the question, in the average normal man, which weighs more, his brain or his heart? Uh, Mr. Adams? In a normal man? A normal. His heart. No, but present company's accepted, of course. <laughs> his brain or his heart. That is incorrect, Mr. Adams. I'm sorry to say the brain... My heart is heavy. Well, you uh, <laughs> You may be the exception. Of course, an excess of iron in the system might bring on that condition. <laughs> but the brain is about uh, weighs about five times more than the heart. The brain, uh, it says here, weighs 49 ounces. The heart weighs 10 ounces. This is the normal man, of course. Your heart. Uh, yes, under normal conditions. The second question, uh, uh, which weighs more, his kidneys or his liver? Why are you asking us these questions? <laughs> I would uh, take that up with Miss Pearl H. Middlebrook of Chicago, Illinois, <laughs> who is obviously related to a man in the meat business. <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we should give 200 red points if these answers come out correct. <laughs> his kidneys or his liver? Mr. Kieran? I'll say the liver. The liver is correct, Mr. Kieran. How do you know that, Mr. Kieran? It just seemed larger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's about five and a half times, weighs five and a half times more than the kidneys. Now, which is, uh, weighs more, his, uh, a normal man, his muscles or his skeleton? Hmm. This is a fine question. <laughs> Mr. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Kieran. I'd say his uh, muscles weigh more. That is correct. We have two out of three, and uh, Miss Middlebrook... Uh, has the satisfaction of knowing that we stuck you on one question. Now, Mr. Norman J. Sloan, Bronx, New York City, asks us to get all. We're going to give you a group of names. What card game could have been played by the people represented in each group? Uh, uh, the group composed of these names. Joseph Conrad, Theodore Dostoevsky, Joseph Theodore Kos Kosinovsky, and Thomas Hardy. Miss Baldwin? Russian bank, I think. <laughs> yes, I was Possibly. <laughs> how, how many people can play Russian Bank? Well, they sound uh, any number. Uh, Mr. Fadiman. Any two-handed game. Uh, 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 Mr. Kieran? Two two people play Russian Bank. Uh, well, well, would you say two people could play this game? You said Conrad and Kozanyevsky. Those are the same folks. Yes. Uh, Hardy, and who is the third? Dostoevsky. Yeah. Oh, it'll be a three-handed game. Three-handed game, that's right. Pinochle or any other game yeah. that can be played by three. Joseph Conrad was the pen name of Kozanyevsky. 
I'm happy to be through with that part of the question, incidentally. <laughs> now, the second part, Mary Ann Evans, Louisa May Alca uh, Alcott, George Elliott, Mrs. J.W. Cross. Mr. Adams? That's a two-handed game. Uh, that is right, such as what? Oh, might have been playing casino. Casino or gin rummy, that's correct. Uh, how did you arrive at that conclusion, Mr.? Well, three of those gals is one. Uh, George Elliott was the pen name of Mary Ann Evans, who married John Walter Cross and Mrs. Cross, and the other lady in the game would have been Louisa May Alcott. Now, the third, Jonathan Oldstyle, Dietrich Knickerbocker, and Washington Irving, Mr. Adams. They would have played solitaire. That is correct, Mr. Adams. We were asked to get all of those. We didn't get all, did we? We, uh, we missed that question, uh, including me out, of course. And so Mr. Norman J. Sloan of Bronx, New York City, also gets a $100 war bond and a complete set of the Encyclopedia Britannica. And now William F. Coster, Forest Hills, Long Island, New York, asks us to get three out of four. The old is the weasel. I'm not going to embarrass Mr. Adams by singing the song on his program. Mr. Adams, is, you know, is... Yes, Mr. Adams? I haven't house, asked the question. In our house, we say, Mom goes the weasel. <laughs> oh, Mom goes the weasel. Mom, where's the weasel in your house? <laughs> well, I know that you are known as uh, the gay nighty Sinatra around Connecticut, and for that reason, I'm not going to sing. But I'm going to ask you to explain certain words in the lyrics. Uh, the song goes, up and down the city road, in and out the eagle, that's where the money goes, pop goes the weasel. Now, the first, where is the city road? The city road... We I don't, don't see, see why the question should be harder tonight than any other night. Well, Mr. I don't know unless I'm, you're dealing with a loaded uh, MC here. <laughs> uh, Mr. Adams? I, I think it's in London. Uh, in London. Well, I guess we're not going to have time to finish the question, are we, Mr. Golan Paul? Uh, we're going to try to finish the question. In London is correct, Mr. Adams. Where is the eagle? Up and uh, in and out the eagle. Where, what is the eagle? Uh, that might perhaps. A uh, music like hall in which drinks were sold on the city road. What is a weasel? What is a weasel? We'll have to tell you next week what a weasel is, because we have used up all of our time. And that about cleans me up as a master of ceremonies. I now turn what's left of this uh, shambles back to Mr. Fadiman. Mr. Uh, Fadiman. That's all we have time for. Mobile gas and mobile oil have paid out a total of $200 in war bonds and two sets of the Encyclopedia Britannica. In a moment, I'll announce the guests for next week. Don't forget, if you want to stump the experts, send your questions to Information, Please, Radio City, New York 20, New York. We may edit them a bit, and in cases of similarity, we'll be the judges of whose questions shall be used, and all questions remain our property. Now, I want to thank our guest experts, Faith Baldwin and Fred Allen, for joining in the fun tonight. Next week, Mr. Kieran and Mr. Adams will welcome as their guests the famous correspondent, John Gunther, whose new novel, The Troubled Midnight, is stirring up the critics these days, and our old friend who will answer questions from Hollywood, Gregory Rathoff, now at work on his new picture, Where Do We Go From Here? Now a word from Ben Grauer for Ladies Only after which you will give us the news headline of critics a need only women can fill. At least 65,000 new student nurses must enroll in nursing schools this year. So if you're a high school graduate between 17 and 35 years old and in good health, join the U.S. Cadet Nurse Corps. You'll learn a valuable profession, and you'll be performing an urgent wartime task. For full information, write U.S. Cadet Nurse Corps, Box 88, New York City. Here are the latest headlines from the NBC Newsroom. Secretary of State Statinius has arrived in Moscow from the Big Three Conference at Yalta. Both Democratic and Republican leaders in Washington tonight are singing the praises of President Roosevelt for what they agree is a job well done. Meanwhile, Russian and Allied armies continue their advances in Europe. The end of the Battle of Manila is in sight. 
Tune in the experts again next Monday at this time for Information Please, which comes to you from your friendly mobile gas and mobile oil dealer at the sign of the Flying Red Horse. This is Ben Grauer bidding you good night and good driving. <laughs>